Welcome to Sophisticated Property Investing, a podcast brought to you by Ethical Property Partners, the experts in sophisticated property investment. Hi there, ladies and gents, and welcome to the Sophisticated Property Investing podcast. With me, Frank Flagg, I am delighted to be speaking with you today because I ran a session at our last partner monthly training day that I'm going to expand on in this podcast. So the session was basically, well, let me unwind a little bit first. Let me unwind to say why I did this. I am a lifelong student. I was talking to my nine-year-old son, Michael, this morning about how he has a personal tutor for English and maths, and he's had a few different tutors. I was saying to him how I'd really observed him getting into his tutoring. He's really enjoying it, really motivated. I keep finding him doing his maths and English homework, doing more than has been set and doing it without being asked. And he said to me, I'm enjoying it more, Dad. And I said, Michael, I'm so glad you said that because that is my objective. My objective is that you enjoy learning because I enjoy learning. I enjoy learning every single day. What you learn at school is really important, but you spend far more time after school (laughs) where you can be learning than during school. You got far more years after your 18 or you finish uni 21 22 than during it and he's on that journey of enjoying learning now which is which is absolutely amazing if you enjoy learning you will seek out opportunities to learn if you don't enjoy learning you won't and there are loads of people you can probably think of people in your life right now who are always doing a course on this or they're on youtube learning how to do xyz whatever their passion is whatever their interest is or perhaps they're listening to podcasts about it or perhaps they are reading books about it it's very rare i will go on holiday and will take a fiction book with me far more likely that i will take non-fiction because i love learning i would rather be lying next to the pool learning something than not and it's just a personal preference so i was really excited when Michael said I'm really enjoying the learning dad in the time that I've been supporting business owners and I think I had my first coaching client in 2009 I'm pretty sure it's 2009 might have been 2010 I I think it was just after we'd won business of the of the year and I had some inquiries from people that were interested in being um, coached so since then I've coached hundreds of business owners hundreds and hundreds of business owners and have presented and given value trained if you like hundreds and hundreds more perhaps probably thousands actually in total and I've observed something some of them just crack on take action and you you spend 10 or 15 minutes with them and they'll go and spend 10 or 15 hours and then come back with a list of questions that they then get the answers to and go again And they might come back two or three weeks later saying, I've done this and I've done this and I've done this. It is absolutely, for me, awe-inspiring, like really, really motivating. And those people I'll always find time for. I'll always find time to jump on Zoom or spend half an hour on the phone because they, even if they're not clients, I just enjoy helping them (laughs) because you give them a bit of help and they go and make some real difference with it they really go and make a a difference in their own business to their own wealth etc other clients and people who aren't clients you give them the same input 
So they have a business plan that's just as good. They have a sometimes better foundation of wealth generation and the potential to be successful. You know, they've got more financial resources. They've got more time available, higher educational level, perhaps. They've got a better network. They've got team, perhaps. They've got clients. They've got cash flow. They've got more experience, whatever it is. And they don't take action and therefore they don't succeed. You can't cheat nature. You can't reap the harvest if you've not sown the seed the season before it's impossible to be successful without putting in the work without creating the value in the world despite what lots of people might tell you and because I'm a student a lifelong student and because I'm a scientist by training I study that I pay attention to well, why has that person succeeded? I look at their personality profile. We have personality profiles done on every one of our clients. So I look at their personality profiles and, and I've actually done this. I actually brought in a uh, an external expert on personality profiling to look at the clients that I've worked with that have been really successful and the clients I've worked with who haven't. And when you strip everything away, you can actually make some real insights into personality profiles and what it is about those people that seem to succeed and those that don't and the thing I'm going to show with you there, there's quite a lot to it but the thing I'm going to show with you today is the ones that succeed have found something that they love doing and you might think well that's luck as in if you're in a job you love doing good for you but you know I can't and in fact, this exercise I did at the last monthly training day, I had a conversation with uh, a client afterwards. So the exercise that we did, and, and this is worth doing if you're, if you're listening to this, was sit down and I think we spent about 20 minutes coaching one another on what is your passion in life, your real passion, not what you think you should say, not that, you know, well, I go to the gym four days a week, so it must be that. What do you really lose yourself in? What do you start and then you lose track of time whilst doing it? What do you look forward to doing? When you look in your diary the the night before and you see it in your diary for tomorrow, you get you get a little a little pang of excitement. What is it that gives you that flow? puts you into flow on a really deep level and it doesn't matter what it is whether it's fishing whether it's reading whether it's skydiving or in this case with this particular client it was classic cars and it was really interesting we're in the bar afterwards and he was saying how he absolutely loves classic cars like he'll go to a show and he'll spend three days there he started listing the cars that he owns and he said i bought this one in this year and i bought this one in this year and i've actually been to a show and there were loads of people interested in this type of car and it was a, a 1990s car which i couldn't understand because that doesn't interest me but my classic cars and i've got this car and i, I think it's jaguars he was most interested in so he's got a few really rare jaguars and this one there's only so many of these in the country and, and interestingly, when I'm training clients in property investment, as opposed to more generic business, we're often talking numbers a lot of the time. So property values, rental values, yields, return on investments, etc. And most of my conversations previously with this particular client have been along those lines because we've talked about deals and property investment, etc. And very successful property investor and wealthy guy. And he wasn't talking numbers at all. In fact, he was really, really passionate. I actually pointed out to him, I said, you, in a conversation with me, have never been this impassioned about something. 
isn't that interesting? And, you know, that comes from a perspective of always wanting to learn. I ask my, I make that observation a lot. Isn't that interesting? How I've just responded to X, Y, Z is really interesting. I wonder why I've done that. Why has that person just said that to me? Isn't that interesting? Why is that person reacting in that way? Isn't that interesting? And so I just said, isn't that interesting? We chatted a bit more and then he said, yeah, but I can't monetize this. You know, I can't make a business out of this because the the whole point of the exercise was to find what you're most passionate about and then build your life in such a way that you spend more of your time doing that and that you get paid for doing that. And then work becomes play. There's a few quotes around this, aren't there? You know, if you do what you love, you'll never work another day in your life. I think I butchered that, but I think that's the the general one. I read a book recently and the guy said, retirement isn't stopping working. It's enjoying your work so much and earning so much money from it that you never have to do it, but you do it for love anyway. And again, I've paraphrased that, but I like that definition of retirement a lot. Find something that you love so much that you want to keep doing it forever. Find something that you don't have to do because you do it so well, it pays you more money than you'll ever need. I'm of the opinion that my most successful partners absolutely love what they're doing. They're going to do it forever. They're not on a five-year plan and then they're going to quit. They're not on a 10-year plan to build a portfolio and then stop working because that shows that they're forcing themselves. That shows that they're not really going to enjoy it. And we've all had that Monday morning feeling. If we were really lucky at school, we didn't have it, but lots of us don't enjoy school and we're forced to go to school by parents, (laughs) the law. And so we've all at some point, I'm sure, gone to bed thinking, oh, I wish I didn't have to do X, Y, Z tomorrow. Well, the point of this podcast and the point of this exercise was to think, well, what would it be if every day I could wake up and I was really excited about what I had ahead of me that day? If I could be in flow for the vast majority of my time. Now, I'm not a believer in utopia. You're never going to have a job and a business that, and I use the two interchangeably in this podcast, You're never going to have an occupation that is 100% amazing all the time because there's always going to be bits you'd rather not do. Yesterday morning, for example, I had to have a conversation with one of my team members in Serbia to let them go. I had to inform them that there was no longer a role for them and they've been with us eight months and unfortunately it wasn't a good fit and they were going to have to move on for for numerous reasons that is an area of my business that I'd rather never have to do and yes I could have delegated that and had a team member have that conversation but I just that doesn't sit comfortably with me I hire every single person they go through interviews with me and I fire every single person and if someone leaves I do an exit interview with them if they choose to leave because I see that as my role as leader of the business and it's a thousand pound an hour task for sure to get an honest an exit interviews when you get the most honest answers about the culture in your business those clients that are really rocking it and doing the absolute best are doing what they love and so I was chatting to this guy about his love of cars and in particular Jaguars and and he made the comment, I'm never going to be able to monetize this. And I said, I'm not so sure. I said, you love this. You're already doing it. You're already buying these cars, doing them up, taking them to shows. You're already going to shows, staying overnight to be there for every day, meeting with 
other stall holders. I'm not sure if he'd shown his cars. He may have done. I'm, I can't remember. I think he might have done, actually. And so what I said is, if that's what you love doing, how about you design a business around it? And that's my encouragement to you today. We're actually kicking off a new wealth mentoring program at the moment. It's very, very high level. So we're going to take on very few clients. It's going to be in a really small group environment, the smallest group environment, actually, that I've ever coached in kicks off with a one-to-one session analyzing our clients entire lives so their income generation to date their expenditure today the different revenue streams that they've created for themselves so their different businesses the profitability of those businesses and then how they have invested their funds to date and their net worth combined with of course their net worth goals their cash flow goals and their aspirations probably the most in-depth coaching program i've ever run and yeah we're launching it tomorrow to a uh, select number of existing clients it's application only so if you are listening and you're thinking actually i'm interested in that do feel free to get in touch and we will uh, pop out an application form to you but basically that program revolves around this concept how can you do more in your life or how can you spend more of your time doing what you love because if you can spend more time doing what you love the money will just follow it the money will flow the difficulty that people have is they think to themselves well i'm in a job that's earning me x a month three grand a month five grand a month 20 grand a month it doesn't matter i don't like it so what can i do that will earn me x a month so that i can quit my job and they start from that perspective so they think right i could do amazon drop shipping because i've heard that makes five grand a month or i could do property investing because that will make me x amount a month but the problem is you're going from one thing that you don't enjoy doing to another and if you start with well how much does it make me you're probably not following your passion you're probably not going to enjoy this thing now you might get it lucky and i think most of my clients today have got it lucky the ones that have succeeded have got it lucky and the ones that haven't succeeded have just found it too much hard work and can't understand why some of them make it look so easy why some of them just do the deals have finance investors come to them have vendors come to them have full market value investors come to them and they just join the dots and follow the epp system and just go wow god this is easy god i've done eight deals this year i've made six figures it's amazing and little joe just stood next to them in the um, training sessions looking at it thinking well, how come I've worked blood, sweat and tears and only done two deals this year? Like, how are they doing four, five, six times the number of deals that I'm doing? And I'm convinced, of, of, of course, they're both using the same system. They oftentimes will have the same resources, the same opportunity. And yet one flies and one doesn't. And I think it's because one is in flow. One is doing what they love and the other perhaps isn't. And so what I would challenge you to do, and this is what I did with um, with this particular client just over a pint after the training session, I said, there will be m- multiple businesses around this interest of yours, of, you know, classic cars. What about if you created a club, a subscription club, for enthusiasts of Jaguars? He said, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, there are quite a few of those. And I said, okay, so what is unique about you? And and he said, I'll tell you what would be interesting. And you could tell because he was enthused, he was creative. So all this energy was just like welling up inside of him. He's a Jamaican man. 
and of, of Jamaican descent. And he said, it's really hard to get classic Jaguars in Jamaica. And I was like, bang, there is an opportunity then. So you could be the man in Jamaica that people go to if they want to import a uh, classic Jaguar. You can obviously find these in the UK. You live most of your time in the UK, but you could become an exporter of Jaguars from the UK to Jamaica. That would be a an amazing niche for you. He said, oh, I'd love that. He could arrange the, the sourcing of the car. He could arrange the fixing of it, you know, and the refurbishment of it. And then he could export it to wealthy clients in Jamaica. What, what, a, what an amazing business opportunity. But here's the key. And he was really excited. And I'm not saying he's going to do it. And I'm not saying it's going to make him six figures. But here's the thing. He would enjoy every minute of doing that. I could see him having a podcast, you know, Caribbean Jaguars. <laughs> Hey guys, you know, I'm the the Jaguar man in the Caribbean. If you want a classic car, come to me. Let me talk to you about this car. He could have a podcast on it. He could have a YouTube channel. Just source this car for this person. Really excited. He could he could have a members club. He could run quarterly Jaguar meetings, classic Jaguar meetings in Jamaica, etc. He could have uh, conventions in the UK where people come to classic Jaguar car if he wanted to stick with the Jaguars um, shows, but they all go out for dinner together because they're in his, you know, Caribbean Jaguar club, etc, etc. And people will pay money for that. People will pay money for his expertise to be part of that community because they will also be enthused about that area and it doesn't matter what it is this is a completely chance random conversation it's not a chance random conversation because and I, and I went no further but if he came back to me and said actually Frank I really want to do this then we could start looking at it and we could say right what do you enjoy do you enjoy buying the cars do you enjoy spending time around them do you enjoy doing them up yourself refurbishing them yourself do you see this as a really small business that you make a lot of money on each car or do you see this as something where you have loads of clients and do lots of small transactions, you know, lots of events perhaps. How often would you go to Jamaica? Would that really excite you or would that be a bit of a chore? And you can start to design the business around the individual. I read Gary Vaynerchuk's book recently, Crush It. A bit dated now actually, but I never read it. So I wanted to read it and see what he had to say about himself. And what he created with his parents wine shop is amazing they were immigrants to america uh, first generation his parents are first generation immigrants i think i'm right in saying and they had a wine shop that was it they just sold booze basically i think it was only wine i think it was just wine and he managed to become the online wine guy massively grew their business just by being himself he didn't try and copy the crowds he didn't try and do something he didn't um enjoy he enjoyed wine but didn't enjoy all the pomp around it i can't think of a better word there used to be a woman actually i can't remember her name now but we used to mock her as children my dad used to think it was hilarious i want to say i probably shouldn't say her name in case i get in trouble but um she used to say oh it's like walking through a woodland and feeling the leaves cracking under your feet we used to go, what? It's like drinking wine. This is what Gary Vaynerchuk was saying. He's like, I'm not going to describe a wine like that. I'm going to go, smells like sweaty feet, but tastes really lovely and sweet. 
<laughs> it's like really down to earth. Oh, yeah, that tastes really, mmm, that's a beautiful wine, that one. I like that. It's really deep or really bitter or really dry. And he's just like more down to earth. Like what <laughs> his description, before you taste it, you go, oh, I know what I'm going to get. Uh, it's going to have this slightly moldy smell to it, but it's going to be really sweet. But with hers, walking through a forest, hearing the leaves cracking under your feet, what's that going to taste like? <laughs> But he was passionate about it, and so it grew and became massively successful, and his parents' wine shop got uh, better and better and better as a result. So it's about finding what you're passionate about. And I, I was thinking before this podcast, what business decisions have I made that have either taken me closer to my passion or further away? So which businesses am I really in flow in, and which businesses am I not inflow and I can almost look back and see the ones that have flown and made me tons of money and the ones that just haven't I've done them because I felt like I should but they've just because my heart's not been in it because I've had to force myself to do it they just haven't worked and haven't made the money they should have done and haven't had the number of clients they should have done and my heart's not been in it so I've not managed to grow it and it's just been either a really negative reinforcement loop so I don't enjoy it as much so I don't get as many clients they don't get as good results so I don't enjoy it as much so I don't get as many clients it just gets worse and worse and worse or it's been a really positive reinforcing loop I love doing what I'm doing so I give loads of value to the client the client gets loads of value picks up on my enthusiasm and takes loads of action and they get really good results so I love what I'm doing more because I'm having more of an impact and then I'm more passionate about it and it just gets better and better and better and the difference between those two over time is huge absolutely huge one is a six seven figure business and one is a hobby that you don't like doing that doesn't make you any money barely pays for your software subscriptions to run it <laughs> that's the difference between the two it's absolutely the compound effect makes the difference between the two huge and so if you're sat there now thinking do you know what frank i don't enjoy what i'm doing i am in a rut and at some level at some conscious or subconscious level you know if you're in that rut you know if if you're counting the days you're thinking i'm just gonna do this for another three years i'm just gonna do this for another five years i'm just going i can hang in there i just need to do this until i get the promotion you're in that negative loop you are forcing yourself and if you have enough willpower you will perhaps be able to force yourself for a long time there's nothing more depressing for me than seeing someone who's forced themselves to work their entire lives and then they retire and by retire I mean they stop doing what they've hated for decades what a sad state of affairs you've you've wasted the most energy of your life the the most health of your life on something basically just swapping your soul for money that is a depressing situation in my opinion and so if you know at some level that you're not in your flow that you're not in your groove then my encouragement to you is work out what it is spend some time doing it that's what i'm going to share with you now what do i love doing and i'm going to talk you through my thought process i'm not going to like read from a list so my thought process when i was doing this was i love coaching i absolutely love coaching people i think i was actually coaching a coach 
last week, one of our coaches on our um, business mastery program, he was asking for some support in becoming a better coach. So I did a couple of hour session with him. He was asking me about coaching, how much did I enjoy, etc. And I, I, it really stopped me on my tracks. How much do I enjoy coaching? And I had to be honest with him. I said, I'm not very good at some things in business and I'm mediocre at a lot of things in business. But if I have one superpower, I think it is coaching. I think it's being able, and I've had this feedback from enough people to realise that it's probably not my own delusion, it probably is reality, is being able to spot the real message amongst what someone's saying and then being able to help them to move forward from it, either move forward from it in terms of get rid of it or move forward from it in terms of increase it and expand it depending on what the the, the thing is, whether it's a good thing for them or a bad thing. And I love it. I just love that sitting in front of someone. It's why every single mentoring session that I do, every single uh, training session, rather, uh, group training session, I will have what we call a um, deal surgery, which is basically a Q&A where someone can ask anything about their business. And on the hoof, I'll give them my one-on-one in a group environment so everyone watching and learning but one-on-one coaching with them and I, I was thinking to myself yeah I do that a lot it's in every session and that's because I love it so that is something that I'm absolutely passionate about and I can do well we do 10 till 6 trainings but um, I can do those twice a week three times a week it does drain me but <laughs> you'd expect eight hours of presenting to drain you but in the moment like it's not I have to fill eight hours it's like oh okay I've only got two hours left what of the content I wanted to cover can I fit into two hours I really do lose track of time <laughs> not great for a presenter <laughs> I have to keep <laughs> I have to get people to remind me when the breaks are so coaching is something for me leverage is massive for me so what I mean by that is having an idea and then having competent people run with that idea I was working out I've got over 20 staff now i haven't had a team that big for quite some time i love it because we get a lot of stuff done we grow our businesses we build our businesses i have six companies now well more than six companies six main businesses that's probably the more accurate way of saying it and i was looking at those six businesses and i was thinking what is it about them that i really enjoy and I'm going to share some of those things so leverage is a big one for me getting a lot done with a little of my time a little of my effort a little of my money the final one on there so coaching and helping people leverage absolutely but the final one is strategy so I'm in my recording studio here and I've got my main bookcases and they are jam-packed there's probably room for about 10 books on there but there's hundreds of books in front of me and then all around my house I've got some books in the lounge I've got some books beside my bed that I'm reading at any one time I'm probably reading between five and ten books and not not simultaneously but I'll pick them up and put them down and I might read one one day and a different one another day and then I might finish one and read it for a whole week etc but for me all that knowledge is fascinating but nowhere near as fascinating as then testing it in real life in a real business and I was looking at the businesses that, that we have so we obviously have ethical property partners which is a property franchise so we help people to be sophisticated property investors I also have my own property portfolio we have a clothing company 
So we import from overseas and distribute in the UK. That's a new business, just kicking that one off now. I was thinking about why I'm so excited about that one. And it's because I've got an amazing manager for that business. And the manager is the one that's going to make that a really successful business. I'm not passionate about clothing. I'm not a fashion person, etc. But we've got a really good international relationship with the manufacturer. So the manufacturer is going to be able to source really good quality clothing and export it to us at a really good price. So we have joint ventured with them to incorporate here in the UK and then distribute as a joint venture. I'm not excited about any of that. So if I had to be day-to-day involved in any of that, it wouldn't excite me. But the bit that does excite me is the strategy of it. So the strategy of, right, so how do we import most effectively? How do we get it in quickly? How do we get it in cheap? You know, it's much cheaper to bring it in on a on a boat than in a, on an aircraft, etc. And funnily enough, you never know when something's going to be useful. So I ran a Thai curry import business in, oh my goodness, what year? It was while I was teaching. So 2007, I think we started it. Me and my business partner, Joe. Joe was at the time dating his Thai girlfriend and they later got married. He spoke Thai, which obviously really helped. Um, His later in-laws were in Thailand. And um, yeah, we imported. I remember going to the Good Food Show yeah, I remember being next to um, Gordon Ramsay's um, gin. He had, um, uh, was it Gordon's gin? Yeah, I think he was. He they sponsored him. His stand was next to ours, and we were desperately trying to get Gordon Ramsay to taste our curry, but he wouldn't. <laughs> I think he uh, recognised that it would be free marketing for us. But that experience now. How many years later is that? 25 years later? Got that right? Is it 15 years later? 15 years later is valuable. The strategy of that really excites me, of how we're going to distribute, how we're going to market, how we can get leverage through our other businesses. The other exciting part for me and the bit that really excites me, and I know it excites me because I want to sit down of an evening and sketch how the business is going to work, sketch the business plan out rather than sit and watch TV, rather than go and have a a relaxing bath. I want to sit there with a cup of tea and sketch it out at the dining room table. And that just speaks volumes to me. It's like, yeah, I'm interested in this. I'm passionate about this. The fact that we've got an amazing manager for this business already, who's passionate about it, who's already done this as a it, on a small scale previously and is now ready for the next step, excites me from a leverage perspective. So now my business plan, I don't have to go work 50 hours a week for two years to get the business off the ground. I can write the business plan and I just need to meet with that manager probably one hour a week, perhaps one day a month, and that business will fly. So that's an example of recognising what I love and then being able to build a business around that, around being able to do what I love more. So meeting with that manager, I will love doing that. Working on the strategy of the business problems that arise, I will love doing that. Spotting opportunities for joint ventures, for marketing, for sales across the UK with the this clothing, that excites me. It doesn't excite me to go and do a clothes show it doesn't excite me to go and pitch to clothing retailers 
but that's okay because the manager will do that bit. It does excite me to work out the sales funnel, to work out the promotions, etc., because that's the strategy, the business strategy. So can you see the, the business itself doesn't have to excite you, but what you do in it has to excite you, absolutely has to excite you. The other business that I've mentioned on the podcast before is our martial arts franchise. I am not a martial arts enthusiast. I don't attend martial arts classes. I did karate for about six months when I was 11 years old, something like that. But I love the impact it has on people. I love seeing people that are losing weight and feeling amazing about themselves. I love seeing kids growing in confidence. I love the camaraderie that people have, seeing them all sweaty at the end of the session saying, see you on Thursday, great session, thank you to the instructor. I love that. So I love the result of the business and I love the business itself in terms of how goods are marketing, how can we improve it? How can we improve the customer journey? How can we make it so that when someone comes for a free trial, they are desperate to join as a member at the end of that? How can we make it as easy as possible for them to join as members? How can we grow our schools to be larger and larger and more and more successful and to impact on more and more people? That excites me. How can we recruit the best possible instructors for our schools how can we find the best candidates from across the country and that's interesting and there's loads to that how can we get the best venues and that strategy that strategic perspective on finding venues let's take finding venues for example we've got a whole system on how to find venues it used to be you know you'd go to your local leisure center and you'd have a walk around it and then you'd ask them if it was available on a tuesday night or a thursday night now we've got a system whereby we find every conceivable venue in a territory and we ask all of those venues if they're available on a Monday or Wednesday night, for example, between these hours. And if so, can they get back in touch? So instead of going around loads of venues and asking if they've got availability or even picking up the phone, because some of our territories got 200 venues in them, we get the five or 10 that are available and then we've got a system for looking at them on Google Maps and working out if there's enough parking, if there's enough chimney pots around that venue to make sure there's going to be enough students. And then we'll go and view the hall. So it's just a strategically different approach. And that's why we're opening six of our own schools this year and I want to say eight of our franchisee schools. So that's 14 odd schools we're looking to open this year because we've now systemized it. And that excites me, helping our martial arts school owners to grow their schools teaching them how to follow the, the G4 system is exciting to me because it's leverage because it's strategic and it's coaching. And if you think about it, that business hits all three. So of course I'm gonna love being in that business. Of course it's gonna excite me. Of course I'm gonna spend time on holiday, on, on my weekends doing that. Of course I'm gonna still want to be doing that when I'm 80 because it doesn't feel like work, it's exciting. I mentioned earlier my high level coaching and, and it's, it's a wealth coaching program. The reason I've kicked that off is because again, it's in my zone. It's what I want to do. So when I think about Diamond Wealth and I think about the reasons why I'm passionate about that and having a high level, intimate, small group wealth mentoring program or wealth coaching program, it ticks those three boxes. So it's coaching. It's coaching people on business. It's coaching people on personal success. It's coaching people on their wealth mastery all of those things 
float my boat. I get excited. We're kicking off half a day with my business partner, Gordon Bertram and I sitting down with each of these new clients. Half a day focus on them and their business. That's like massively exciting to me and valuable to them. So it's a win-win. We've got leverage. Now it's not leverage of our business, but leverage, I will help them as much as I can. We're meeting with each of them monthly. So really intense mentoring and support and accountability. I'm meeting with them monthly which will mean that when we give them ideas and give them strategies to use and they go and implement them, they get massive results. And that is leverage. We're doing a little bit of work and they're getting massive results. Now, you might think leverage is, yeah, but you make loads of money, Frank. No, I don't make loads of money from that. They'll make loads of money from that. But it's still the same, getting massive results with little work. So it ticks that part of it. And of course, the third part, which is business strategy, it's all about that. But because these business owners are in different industries and have different challenges and they're in different parts of the country, in fact, in some cases, different parts of the world, the business strategy, the interest that I have in that, the creativity that I can employ in in that program, in coaching those clients is massive. And so I'm passionate about that business because it ticks all three of those boxes that, that I know that I find myself in flow. And so it's interesting if I, if I think to my property business, what do, and I haven't talked about property much in this podcast, but what do I enjoy most? I enjoy most training people in property and mentoring them. I enjoy sitting down with vendors and solving their problems which is a bit creative, a bit strategic, a bit helping people. The bits that I really don't enjoy are the mortgage applications, the accounting. I do enjoy the tax strategy. I love the tax strategy, but not the looking at a bank statement and reconciling it with um, QuickBooks. (laughs) That's like pulling my fingernails out. But that's why I have team to do that. That's why I've got a full-time bookkeeper to do that. In fact, two full-time bookkeepers to do that for me. That's why I JV with a lot of partners so they can do the mortgages. It's very, very important, I think, to recognise which bits you love and which bits you don't. And the bits you love, you need to do more of. I do more putting deals together now, more meeting with vendors, more solving problems, more coaching people than I've ever done. And to minimise the amount of stuff you have to make yourself do. I do less stuff now that I don't like doing than I've ever done, which means I'm the happiest at work that I've that I've ever been. And that is a recipe for A, happiness and B, success. And the money follows. If you're doing something you love, not only do you not have to work a day, but you're going to be one of the wealthiest people around. Guys, I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. I hope it's, um, although not been massively on property, I hope it's enthused you and and encouraged you to look at your life in a slightly different way. And if, in, if we can help you in any way, don't hesitate to get in touch. I'd love to. Until next time, happy investing. Sophisticated Property Investing, a podcast brought to you by Ethical Property Partners, the experts in sophisticated property investment.